the main ingredient of stardom is the rest of the team. John Wooden said that, and I'm saying this. Welcome to High and Low. Good day and good night. Welcome to the High and Low Basketball Show. This is episode number 100 and nobody, a.k.a. episode number 180. No, I'm not naming the episode after the criminally underrated 2021 film Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, also known for his turn as Saul in the incredible series Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Love those shows, love those shows. And that movie, love that movie. But no, I'm not talking about that movie. I'm not talking about nobody. I'm talking about the fact that nobody in the history of the association, the NBA, has ever slapped the number 80 on their jersey. No one. No one has ever done that. No one has ever done that in the history of... Basketball claims the lower digits while the NFL and the NHL boast more players with numbers in the higher tier, but still. It's a nice round number. It's a missed opportunity. Yeah, well, it's too late now. Yeah. Um, Again, welcome to the show. My name is Ike Meiji. Around here, we live by a principle governed by the high and low lives of the world, which means we talk about basketball, especially and specifically the NBA, and we talk about it at any time, anywhere, north, south, east, west, high, and low. This week on the show, I am solo, which is coincidental because I am also solo in real life. I'm alone in an Airbnb in the middle of Back Bay. It's a cozy little neighborhood here in the heart of Boston. The wife and kids are hundreds of miles away, but texting every five minutes, which is absolutely amazing. It's not annoying at all. Uh, I've, I've never seen myself as a Boston guy, but I'm not going to lie, man. This is, this is a nice neighborhood. And uh, it's 10 minutes away from everything, man. TD Garden is actually not too far. Maybe 10 minutes away, not too far from Cambridge, Massachusetts, a city we love to shout out on this show. So shout out to everyone in Cambridge. Um, that's only 10 minutes away. Uh, maybe I should run over there with a high and low T-shirt to see if I bump into any high and low lifes. Jeez, uh, oh, I'm digressing. Okay. But because I'm on the road this week, uh, it was it was difficult to coordinate time to record the show with, with, uh, with anyone else, basically. Uh, this is easier. Gives me a chance to share an uninterrupted perspective about the illusion of stardom in the NBA. Uh, it's very real. Uh, that was sparked and inspired by a conversation I had with a friend of mine just a few days ago. And uh, I don't know, I'll share a few points for you to chew on. A couple of stories. Uh, I'll also answer an interesting listener question. A first for high and low. Well, stay tuned for that. Uh, before we lock in, let me check in. Oh, hi. Thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. Yes, he is. Hey, listeners, thank you for joining us for another installment of the show. Another week, another episode, more NBA. So, of course, more high and low. Uh, things are certainly happening in the NBA. You have questions. We have answers. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about something important. As mentioned before, basically seconds ago. Uh, we have a listener question. Uh, this one is from Marley in Sydney, Australia. Shout out to Sydney. Shout out to everyone in Sydney, Australia. A friend of mine is flying out to Sydney in a week. I wish I could go. Marley's question is this. 
What's the one team you'll watch this season, but will be too ashamed to admit you watch? Um, that's a great question. Thank you very much, Marley. I feel like this question is a cross between our dirty little secrets topic from a few weeks back and and uh, the annual league pass question. You know, like what's your league pass team? Uh, this season, my list of teams to watch is is probably longer than ever. You know, there's there's the Nuggets. Uh, gotta watch Jokic and MPJ. The Lakers, even though I don't like this version of the Lakers. Warriors the dubs because Steph Curry is still the most entertaining player to watch in the league. Uh, there's OKC. Oh, that's my league pass team right there. Mm. Got SGA, uh, Shay Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, uh, Chet Holmgren, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams. Oh my goodness, that's a fun team to watch. Uh, and of course, there's Giannis and single Dame, uh, Dame time in Milwaukee. Uh, and of course, I'll be watching some Boston games. I don't know. Maybe I'll catch one before I leave the city. Maybe. But anyway, to answer your question, Marley, the team I'll be watching in secret with, with sort of a side eye this season will be the Toronto Raptors. Now, this is a version of the Raptors that I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really into, you know, but they're a tweener. You know, too good to tank, but nowhere near a position to really contend. Uh, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, and just a roster full of names you wouldn't recognize if you weren't immersed in daily Raptors content. I don't know. I don't know what to say about them. The Kawhi days are a distant memory. The championship luster has completely worn off. It's it's a new era in Toronto, a quieter, more subdued one. Uh, this is the season where the casual Raptors fan will most likely be in attendance to watch the other team and and i hate to admit it but uh, i don't know so will i <laughs> quietly and unannounced <laughs> uh, great question marley in sydney australia i'm pretty sure that's the first time we've received any questions from anyone in australia so i think marley might be our first australian high and low life so shout out to you marley and again thank you for the question a uh, quick reminder to High and Low Lifes, if you want to leave a question for us to answer on the show, send your DM to us on TikTok at More High and Low or on Instagram at Get High and Low. Links are always in the show notes. It's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, let's get into the illusion of NBA stardom. This is the High and Low Basketball Show. This moment is brought to you by High and Low listeners. This week on the High and Low NBA show, listeners were asked to share their picks for the top five active NBA players who have not made an all-star team, the unsung heroes of the league. We heard from Marley in Sydney, Australia. Marley shared her list starting with number five, Derek White of the Boston Celtics. Number four is Cam Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets. Number three is Tyrese Maxey of the Philadelphia 76ers. Marley's second best player not to make an all-star team is CJ McCollum of the New Orleans Pelicans. And the number one player who has never made an NBA All-Star roster is Nikola Jokic's second fiddle, Denver Nuggets guard Jamal Murray. Great list Marley from Sydney, Australia. Thank you for sharing your top five. Let's get back to the high and low NBA show. And we're back. I'm Mike Amici, and this 
is the High and Low Basketball Show. A few days ago, I had an interesting conversation with an old friend of mine, a guy I've known since high school. We were reminiscing about different things from people we knew to places we would frequent. One of those places was the local YMCA where we would hoop and, and work out whenever possible. If I wasn't in school or at home, I was there. Uh, we had a, a whole community of hoopers from the surrounding schools and neighborhoods just converge at this one local YMCA. And we would play with and against one another constantly, like around the clock. If you were hooping in high school, it was the best competition you could find in the city. Like, bar none. Uh, the best of the best. And in the mix, you had these older guys who would play against us. Guys who used to play in high school, played some college ball. And now, you know, they were working class guys who came to the Y just to stay in shape, let off some steam, get away from their families. What did you say? Some of these guys had egos and, and just loved to remind the young boys about how good they were back in the day and how much better they still are, frankly. And in some cases, we bought what they were selling. Some of these guys could hoop at a high level and probably could have gone pro, but didn't for one reason or another. Uh, overall, it was a competitive environment, a great place for anyone who loved to play the game. Now, the reason I bring up this particular time and place in my life is because this was when I truly realized what it took to compete at the highest level, the highest level. So there was a Saturday morning in the middle of a summer. I must have been 14 or 15. The same friend I mentioned earlier, he called me at home, told me to come over to the Y because there was, there was someone there I needed to see. First thing out of my mouth was, what's her name? Woo! He checked me immediately, like real quick, and said, nah, it's, it's not that at all. It was a player, and I would lose my mind once I saw him. So I sprint out of the house. I was at the gym in 10 to 15 minutes. So I get there. I walked into a packed gym, and there's a full-court, five-on-five game going. And it's actually much earlier than it usually happens, but I don't know. I was, I was a bit confused. And most of the older guys, they were running. And there was one particular player handling the ball off the inbound and just a couple dribbles pulling up from half court swish every time. They tried to press him, knock him off the ball, double, double team, triple team, and he would calmly break down his defenders, pull up, swish. And he was doing this against some of the best players in the city, guys who could run on any court in the country, in the world. And the skill gap between this one guy and the rest of the players on the court was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I knew exactly who this guy was, of course. As soon as I saw him, I was like, okay. That's Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, former NBA player, former Denver Nugget, former LSU star. He was in the league at the time. He was, he was killing it in the league at the time. He had one of the silliest crossovers and was a green behind the arc. Many people have said that Steph Curry's most accurate comp is Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. You know, he was Steph before Steph was Steph. And he was showing everyone in the gym that day exactly how nice he was. It was at this moment I got a sense of how good an NBA player really was. 
you know, he didn't break a sweat. He played with these guys like like I would play against fifth graders, just effortless. And some of the guys that usually play there, one guy in particular just has the mouth just running constantly. And in in some cases, he would back it up. You know, he saw himself as being, you know, the best player in the gym on a regular basis. And Abdul Rauf made this guy look silly constantly. Couldn't check him, couldn't even touch him. Again, the skill gap between the two of them was insane. And it was quite embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, And I won't even get into my own experience when I got a chance to jump on a court. I'll keep that to myself. Uh, <laughs> I walked away from that gym awestruck and confused at the same time. This wasn't a view of a player from 30,000 feet up in the air. This was up close and personal. You know, I watched Abdul Rauf play against other NBA players on TV. And even then, you know, he would shine, but he wasn't a superstar in the NBA. You know, I started thinking about the top guys in the league. If a mid-level guy like Abdul Rauf was leaps and bounds better than a good non-pro, how good were the superstars in the league? Up close and personal. All right, you guys, what's next? Another quick anecdote. Same YMCA, two summers later, early in the morning, uh, my cousin and I were playing one-on-one in an empty gym. Uh, Two guys walk in, one older, the other looked like he could have been in his mid to late 20s. Younger guy drifts over to the other side of the gym, shoots around. The older guy beelines it to us. He comes over to us and asks if we want to play 21. And, you know, we're both good hoopers for for our age, full of ego, full of bluster, aspirations of making the league, going pro. You know, we take one look at this guy and see a meal, as would usually be the case when a random guy off the street walks into the gym looking for a run. I mean, we were the hungry ones, but this man ate our food. We gave him first possession. And never saw the ball again. Not even a rebound. 21 straight. And he did it over and over and over again. A master class in shooting, dribbling, footwork, patience, IQ. He broke down our doubles. Always created space. Kept us on his hip. And always on our heels. I mean, honestly, man, it felt like basketball sorcery. I'd never experienced anything like that since Abdul Raouf a couple summers before. And at the end of it all, we all talked on the side. Uh, he introduced himself as Mitch. Not our Mitch, not Mitch or Sadi. <laughs> um, I don't know, forgive me, I forget the younger guy's name, but he was Mitch's cousin and played pro overseas. That's that's how he was introduced. Mitch asked us if we were going to be there the next day. I said, for sure, bet. And he said he'd come back the next day to show us a few things. And, and he did. He did. He was back. And this happened all week. And all week, we're trying to figure out who this guy was. You know, he wasn't your average Joe. That that was for sure. We must have asked him if he played pro at least two dozen times, and he would always say the same thing. A little bit. A little bit. The things he showed us that week were unlike anything that any coach we had could ever dream of. And at the end of the week, 
Mitch told us that they were flying out and he wouldn't be around for a bit. Told us he was glad to meet us, wished us luck, capped it off with a little tidbit of information. He says, by the way, he once played in Houston, but that was a long time ago. All right, stop before I throw up. My cousin and I are looking at each other like, what, what, what was that supposed to be? <laughs> and that was it. That's all he gave us. Uh, the next day, my cousin comes back to the gym with a basketball card. The guy in the photo, undoubtedly Mitch. Same guy, Mitch. Name under the photo, Mitchell Wiggins of the Houston Rockets. <laughs> This guy played eight seasons in the league, notably for the 85 Rockets, uh, widely considered the best team uh, not to win a title. He had Hakeem Olajuwon, Moses Malone on that team. He averaged 15 and a half points a game that season. So not a small contribution. This guy was a major part of that team. And yes, this is the same Mitchell Wiggins who happens to be the father of Andrew Wiggins, NBA champion. Uh, This was my second experience being up close and personal with a real NBA player, real NBA talent, be it retired. But still, you know, the skill gap was still insane. And Wiggins was not the star of that Houston team or any of those Houston teams. You know, he was a mid-level guy. He was considered a mid-level guy. So what does that mean? And that's where the illusion of stardom really unveils itself. And I'm going to get into that after this break. We'll be right back with more High and Low. This week in NBA history, we were introduced to the best before the best. On October 30th, 1980, the NBA announced its 35th anniversary all-time team. The team was comprised of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Bob Cousy, Julius Irving, John Havlicek, George Mikan, Bob Pettit, Oscar Robertson, Bill Russell, and Jerry West. Bill Russell was voted the greatest player of all time, Red Auerbach of the Celtics was named the greatest coach, and the 1966-67 Philadelphia 76ers were named the greatest team ever. On November 3, 1995, the NBA's two Canadian expansion teams, the Toronto Raptors and Vancouver Grizzlies, both made successful debuts with wins in their first regular season games. That was a little something for our NBA history nerds. Now let's get back to the high and low NBA show. Welcome back. I'm Mike Amici and this is High and Low. I'm just here peeling back the layers of the illusion of stardom in the NBA. And trust me, it's, it's quite the onion. Uh, before the break, I shared two anecdotes, personal stories, experiences with NBA players and, and how it changed my perception of players at that level. Uh, what we see on TV, uh, on socials, in the arena, it's not the whole truth. It's easy to get swept up in the glitz and glamour of the NBA. We've got marquee players with signature shoes, the Hollywood-like entrances, a constant buzz about the elite, top-tier talent. But here's a kicker. The NBA is a league of layers, and it's not just about top guys doing top guy things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did you just say to me? In, In the NBA, there's a large cohort of players who may not have the same visibility as... LeBron James and Steph Curry's of the world, but let me tell you, they can hoop. They can walk into any gym, step onto any court, and be the best player by the widest margin possible. And we're talking about those mid-level talents, those role players, 
guys like Mitchell Wiggins, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who might be unfairly labeled as mere cogs in the machine. The truth is, many of these players are so much better than they're given credit for. So why don't we see them shine as bright as the big names? Well, it's a complex brew of factors, in my opinion. First up, the system, the politics of the sport. The NBA has its pecking order, and high-profile stars often take up all the oxygen in the room. They have to. They eat up all the playing time. They're the first, second options. They get the majority of the possessions. They dominate the headlines, which keeps them top of mind for fans. There's a lot of money invested in these guys. So therefore, the wheels have to keep spinning. The system has to keep pushing them. The system, be it on their respective teams or in the league as a whole, sometimes pigeonholes these talented guys into roles that don't showcase their full bag, talking about these mid-level talents. You know, it's a system that can make someone an off-ball shooter or relentless defender while the superstar takes a spotlight. You know, it's not that these players aren't capable of more. It's just that they're operating within the confines of a structure designed to cater to the star. The media and fans often reinforce the structure, focusing their attention on the top guys. Right? Then there's the role of coaches and front offices. Their choices often hinge on reputation and personal preference. You know, GMs draft players based on hype, scouting reports, prognostications. And some of these players were placed in favorable positions a while ago based on relationships and reputation. In the league, some coaches might favor an established star even when an under-the-radar player is putting up comparable numbers or impacting the game in ways that aren't always quantified in statistics. You know, it's a bias that might relegate excellent players to the shadows. But here's the exciting part. If you look past the dazzle of stardom, you'll find that the lesser-known players, the, the presumed cogs, the mid-level guys, many of whom are as skilled as the stars, are waiting for the moment to shine. Given the opportunity, the right system, the touches, the plays designed around their strengths, they'd light up the league. Nikola Jokic was drafted in the second round, 41st overall. No one saw him as a future MVP, future champion, but he got the opportunity and he took it and he's never looked back. Draymond Green, he's a star today, but back in 2012, no one saw him as such. He was drafted in the second round, 35th overall, but he got an opportunity to start when David Lee went down and he impressed, so much so that Lee was pushed down in the depth chart in order for Draymond to keep his spot in the Warriors starting lineup. Fred Van Vliet, not a highly touted player coming out of college, didn't even make an NBA roster at first, played for Toronto's G League team, showed promise, came up in the right system at the right time, eventually became an all-star for the Raptors. My guy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I mean, he was seen as a good prospect coming out of college came out of Kentucky, but he was trade fodder in L.A. He came to OKC, standing in the shadow of Russ. Once Russ left, had an opportunity to be the number one guy, especially after Sam Presti's big prospect, Chet Holmgren, went down with an injury that would see him miss his entire rookie season. That gave Shea one more year to be the number one option, and he took full advantage. Now he's considered a top 10 player and OKC's undisputed star, even with Chet Holmgren back in the lineup. The point is, 
players that are labeled stars, they're in that category because of opportunity, timing, right place at the right time. Someone, someone wants them in that position. There are exceptional talents like LeBron James who came in highly touted and stay, they stay at the top. But stardom can be fleeting. The margin and skill gap between the worst player in the NBA and the good hooper at your local gym is much greater than the skill gap between that player and the best player in the league. Brian Scalabrini, retired NBA player, played for the Boston Celtics, widely considered a bottom feeder in the NBA. He once said that he's closer to LeBron James than you are to him. Think about that for a second. It's such a great perspective to have. And and really, you want to consider that when watching and judging players on the court. You know, don't be fooled by the illusion. You know, the guys in the margins have the skills, the dedication and desire to shine, given the chance. And they would make you look like an infant on the court if, if given the chance. If Brian Scalabrini stepped into an L.A. fitness, I'm pretty sure he'd shoot the lights out even today. Uh, but yeah, let's keep an eye out for the next hidden gem to turn into a basketball supernova because you know it's very possible for that to happen. Why the fuck I can't shoot three-point shots? Anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode of High and Low. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, remember to subscribe to High and Low anywhere you find podcasts. Make us a party weekly routine. We're on Instagram, TikTok, X, formerly known as Twitter. We're on YouTube. Links to those are in the show notes. Once again, music is by Live of the Enjoy Music Group. You can find Live on Twitter and on Instagram at L-Y-V-E. Additional music is by Sonny Rockwell of the Goodness. Can't find that guy anywhere. Sound design is by Vaughn August. This is a Vaughn Abraham podcast, just in case you didn't know. So on behalf of all the mid-level guys, on behalf of the guys in the margins, I'm Ike Meiji. Thank you for listening to High and Low. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.